Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Today in history, in 1935, all plane flights over the White House are barred because they are disturbing President Roosevelt's sleep. What the Fuck History, where we discussed the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history? I am your long-lost lover, Zachary. I have written you so many letters on my finest parchment. Why have you spurned my affections? Hi, I'm Megan, and no one told me that being a thirst trap was a career path in school. My name is Matt. I live in constant fear of the day my beard grows sentience and takes over my central nervous system, condemning me to be a passenger to its mischievous deeds. Let's get into it. I did not know that that was a fear, but thanks. Like quicksand, I am now deathly afraid of it. (laughs) Uh, I'm also afraid of it. (laughs) You're afraid of my beard or you're afraid of your beard? I'm afraid of all beards now. Wow, that's going to be difficult for our relationship moving forward. (laughs) Well, it's a good thing our relationship is purely through the uh, internet love now letters. Because of the plague that's going on? I was going to say, no. the internet divorce already got filed, I thought. I know, yeah. We the did get divorced. The internet divorce is, is filed. <laughs> it, the internet has divorce has been filed. I was kind of hoping for one but... of those beautiful like, Hallmark romances where we start divorced and then eventually, through the power of Christmas or something, we end up back together. But, like. <laughs> This We're isn't... past Christmas now, so we'll have to we'll have to wait till next Christmas to see what develops. No, we we have to wait till Easter. <laughs> Easter, the most romantic holiday. I mean, if Jesus can rise from the dead, so can your love. So can our love. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Movies. To be fair, to be fair, Easter is probably the one of the more romantic uh, previously pagan holidays <laughs> because it's about fertility, yeah. right? Yeah. Love about the Eggy Boys, New Life. Bunnies. Is that what that's about? Yeah. Chalky. <laughs> All right, Chalky so milk. anyways, a game of rock, paper, scissors has been played, and tonight, the order for your listening pleasure is me, I know, it sucks, Zach, <laughs> and then Megan. So, uh, should we get into it? I think we should. No. I feel yes. like we should get into it. My body and Tell my brain story. and my sentient beard are ready. Delightful. Alright, so tonight I have a bonkers story for you, and in an effort to make it more bonkers, I'm going to bury the lead a little bit, and uh, not tell you who I'm talking about until closer to the end. Okay. I'm also going to ask that uh, you two, my lovely co-hosts, not Google while I'm talking to you, so that you don't spoil the surprise for yourselves. My hands are above my head, which they shall remain. Oh, that's a rare thing for you. (laughs) I was about to say, they're only going to be there for like... 30 seconds because my arms will get tired but you well, have the, I mean, the only other time that they're up there is when i chain you to the anyway um <laughs> so so without further ado i'm gonna tell you guys a story so this individual was born november 6th year of our lord 1816 in a region of france that eventually became a part of belgium called dina or dinet or something it's d-i-n-a-t i don't know how to pronounce it Anyways, he was the firstborn son of a tradesman, um, a carpenter to be more specific, who was so renowned for his crafting of cabinetry that he was uh, tapped to make instruments eventually. Okay, wait. So the only thing I'm thinking about is like if he was a D&D character, he would like have what is it? He was a commoner the, um, that eventually became like a bard. Yeah, you know, he had like the the hospitality. Oh, rustic hospitality. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Rustic hospitality. Yeah, rustic hospitality. <laughs> yeah, no. So this this individual's dad, he he makes 
things out of wood, and he's so skilled at it that he is eventually asked to make instruments for the military. Oh. Um, so this individual grows up around his father who, you know, makes all of these things. In in France, soon to be Belgium, yeah. is was that like like a budget item like a, of the government? It, like a military instrument? Yeah, it was basically like, like a... Well, uh, he was tapped by the, the ruler at the time. I think it was William of... Orange. You gotta have your fife and drum corps. Yeah, exactly. That's true. You, you know your, what? I wasn't. Have your I wasn't thinking of it. I wasn't thinking of the fife and drum corps. You're right. This individual's father becomes a crafter of fine instruments, and so this individual grows up surrounded by these instrument making tools. And at the age of fourteen and fifteen, he is cranking out clarinets like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> only uh, clarinets, uh, though. Only clarinets. <laughs> okay. Um, and not only was he cranking out clarinets like you wouldn't believe. He was, he cranking, was cranking his clarinet? Out, I mean, that too, oh. probably. But he was cranking out clarinets that were far superior to the old modeled clarinets. So he would oh. literally, like, change the boring on them to make them sound better and reposition the holes to make them sound... Well, repositioning the holes has a lot of implications based on what Zach just said. <laughs> but he was improving on old designs. And he's also credited with having created clarinets and flutes from ivory, which up until that point nobody had done because they thought it was impossible. I'm not really sure. My research didn't show me why it was difficult at the time of this individual's existence. But he was the first one to do it in his little town because apparently that shit was hard well also like how often were they coming across ivory right in a small uh french slash belgian town yeah little french little french slash belgian town probably not a lot (laughs) but also probably not in quantities where you could actually get an entire fucking horn out of it yeah also was the military really like you know what we're going to forego for the wood. Yeah. We're going to spring for some ivory so that well, it's important to note that this kid at 15 was not making instruments for the military. He was just making them for fun. Hmm. Okay. But anyways, he makes he makes clarinets and flutes out of ivory, which people thought were impossible. And at the age of 26 in the year 1840, he brought a number of improved instruments to sort of like a I don't know what to call it. My research just called it the Belgian Expe- Belgium Expedition. And they determined that his instruments were amazing, but that he was too young to receive the gold medal. What? Or the gold the gold <laughs> trophy. So he's he's twenty six and he's too young to be given the gold trophy. So they give him a gold plated <laughs> medal instead. So in what, how old do you need to be? What's the what's the, what's the age, age of requirement for the trophy? Yeah, like <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like uh, the equivalent of you're not old enough to ride this ride at fucking Disney World. That's You're bullshit. definitely not tall enough to ride th- No, this is the equivalent of fucking Anakin Skywalker being allowed to sit on the Jedi Council but not being granted the rank of master. <laughs> like he literally like, shows up and he's like, Hey, I made these instruments, and not only did I make them, I made them better than the people who made them before. And they were like, yeah, that's cool and all, but uh, we're just going to give you this small little gold-plated medal. Is that cool? And he's like, "Mm, absolutely not. This is the, uh, we don't have Coke. Is Pepsi okay? (laughs) Me and my flutes are leaving. Don't talk to me and my flutes ever again. Don't talk to me and my flutes ever again. So yeah, at hearing that he was not old enough, he then declared, if they think me too young to deserve the gold medal, I myself think me too old to accept this Vermeil one. And I I looked online and Vermeil is essentially like silver that is then plated in gold. And it's just like, it was just a metal as opposed to, like, a golden trophy. Fucking stones. Yeah, how am I going to melt this down and pawn it? Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> for... How do I make this more expensive to myself? So, Wait, before... Get this vermile bullshit yeah, out of get here. Get this vermile which is... out of here. Oh, my God. I'm going to start using that all the time now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
mean, I do feel kind. I feel bad for the dude because he essentially rocked up to a talent show and got told that he was the most talented, but they were gonna give the prize to someone else yeah it's like being told hey you're the best here but we're gonna give it to second place because we fucking feel like it it's like that one time that steve harvey said that the second place (laughs) person won the fucking miss universe competition and then he immediately had to change uh, and go like oh wait I goofed. So anyways, this... You know what? Yeah. I thought you were going in a completely different direction with the Steve Harvey <laughs> thing. I thought you were going to be like, that's like Steve Harvey, you know, saying, hey, this family got more points in Family Feud, but I like the Williamses <laughs> better. <laughs> so they're walking away with $25,000 and a new car. It also sounds like something Steve Harvey would do. <laughs> a thousand percent. Please continue. So anyways, uh, before I go any further with this story, I want to let you know that this individual managed to do all of this making clarinets making flutes winning this vermile trophy all while running from his literal death what because before adulthood he came so close to death so often that his mother once said he is a child condemned to misfortune he won't live And that his nickname in the town that he lived in was The Ghost. I mean, that's really badass and also makes me feel better about my life in general. I I want to list for you the ways in which this child almost died. Okay. When he was young, he fell out a third floor window and was left for dead. Okay. Goodbye. He swallowed a needle. Huh? He what? once mistook a glass on the counter for milk and ended up drinking some diluted sulfuric acid. Is he was hit you on know, the head to, with a cobblestone? What to go back to the sulfuric acid? To be fair, when I was little, I saw I saw this big fair. yeah. To be fair, I saw this big white thing on on top of the stove, right? And I I reached up with yeah. my little child hands. Cause I was like, "What is that? That looks like a giant marshmallow." Little and baby Megan hands. Little baby Megan hands. And I reached up and I was like, "Wow, what a big marshmallow! I've never seen a marshmallow that big. I'm gonna take a bite out of it." And long story short, it was an onion. It was a it was a white raw I onion, mean, and I've been scarred ever since. I don't know if that's the same as sulfuric acid. <laughs> I really but sure. don't believe that that's anywhere close to drinking diluted sulfuric acid. But like, but go off, it is. No, it is because onions are nasty, and I would have rather <laughs> had the acid. No, no, no. I don't think you would. But let me continue. I don't think you understand my hatred of onions. But yeah, I want to know all the other ways. Look, sis, we get it. So he's he's hit on the head with a cobblestone. He gets burnt in a gunpowder accident and then got burnt again by a frying pan. He almost drowned in a river. And on three separate occasions... He was almost poisoned to death by varnish. What? How? Yeah, I don't even know how. I don't... Like, none of the sources that I looked into elaborated on what that meant. I don't know if he drank it. I don't know if, like, someone painted him in varnish. <laughs> I don't know if he got high on the fumes and passed out. I was about to say, I know like, nothing about this situation. It's either he just is really bad at determining what liquids are what, and doesn't right. give <laughs> or oh, this looks like some chalky milk. Yeah, or dude was just like, uh, I I felt really fun for about three seconds when I huffed it the first time. Oh, <laughs> mom and dad left out this huffing stuff. So, anyways, it's safe. It's safe to say, <laughs> mom and dad. It's safe to say that someone, be they from heaven or hell, did not want his invention to exist, and someone else, again, be they from heaven or hell thwarted all efforts to kill him yeah this was this was the prequel to good yeah exactly (laughs) this is uh azarephale and crowley fighting over uh this invention right here so two years after uh his showing at the belgium exhibition he went to paris 
Um, he moved to Paris shortly after. Zach, I know your feelings. Uh, please try and keep them bottled up. Um, but he moves to Paris, and he had invented at this point a brand new instrument. And he very quickly made friends in the art scene, and he met a composer by the name of Hector Berlioz. And when Ooh. he asked Berlioz what he thought of the instrument... Berlioz told the inventor that he would read about his thoughts in the paper the next day, which is kind of like, it could be taken two separate ways. Like, yeah. okay, I have to wait till tomorrow to hear your thoughts. Depends on how much confidence you got. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, however, Hector Berlioz wrote about it in a uh, paper that I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce because it's French and I hate the French. But of this instrument, Berlioz said... Its principal merit, in my view, is the varied beauty of its accent. Sometimes serious, sometimes calm, sometimes impassioned, dreamy, or melancholic, or vague, like the weakened echo of an echo. And he continued for a few more flowery sentences before ending with, There does not exist another musical instrument that I know of that possesses this strange resonance, which is situated at the edge of silence. Mm. So I'm wondering now if I've piqued your interest into yeah. what this instrument I wanna... is. I yeah. Wait, let me let me yeah. Wait, I wanna I wanna see if I can guess. So it's like it hovers on the edge of silence. Yeah. But this guy also and like it has a very he made flutes. strange resonance. Yeah, he made flutes and stuff. So yeah. I'm thinking it's got to be something woodwind. Yeah, yeah, woodwind maybe. Um, okay. Is it the French horn? Let's see. <laughs> so after writing all of this flowery language, Berlioz then made his greatest contribution and gave the instrument a name. He called it. Is it his? What is it? The saxophone. Oh, yes! Oh. And the person that I'm talking about right now is Adolphus Sax, who was the inventor of the saxophone. Now, what's crazy about this story even more so is that Sax did not stop suffering in childhood, but continued to suffer in adulthood because he patented the instrument... And after he patented the instrument, a lot of fake saxophone knockoffs were being made. And that left him earning nothing because nobody could tell what was a real saxophone and what wasn't. So no one really bought from him. I think when he first started selling saxophones, he only sold 20,000 of them. Wow. Which, like, really, by today's standards, sounds very low, even. I don't know. I, th I I think it's kind of like hearing about, you know, what is that in 1920s money, okay, right? Okay, we're not like... doing that right now, though, because it'll break my brain. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm, what I'm saying is, like, it doesn't sound like a lot yeah, now, no. but to I sell 20,000 of something he pushed 20, in the past when it's new. So the, the problem being, though, that Sachs himself happened to be fairly litigious. And so he spent a lot of the money that he gained selling saxophones by suing people who were making knockoff saxophones. Okay. And that left him with very little money. I read somewhere that he declared bankruptcy three times in his life. Wow. I think one of them was in 1853. Another one was in like 1870-something. And then I think the third one was later in the 1870s. What's also wild to me is me realizing that this instrument is less than 200 years old. Right. It's crazy. Yeah, I guess I really hadn't thought about, you know, when the advent of the saxophone was, right? right? Like, I kind of just imagine all instruments that we have minus electrically powered ones have just always been and always were but they really weren't they weren't ripping the sacks in ancient Greece, I, was say, I you, guess. You weren't, you weren't dreaming of the birth of the greatest instrument ever? Surprisingly not. The unfortunate thing about it, right, is he made this instrument with the intention of it being used in orchestras. He wanted it to be played and uh, performed with and it wasn't in his lifetime which is sad but he gets the consolation prize yeah. of being like he gets the consolation prize of having 
the greatest fucking bit in what I can't remember the name of the song. I just know never gonna dance again. Guilty. Oh yeah. Careless whisper. Thank you. He gets the best careless careless whisper. whisper. So yeah. Not only that, you know, we wouldn't have careless whisper without him. There's that one fucking uh, saxophone song that's just like. And that was a meme for a little bit, so that was fucking dope. Or the opening to Baker Street. Goddamn right. I know my saxophones, man. (laughs) He becomes, he's bankrupt practically most of his life. And as I said, um, it's because he was fairly litigious. And he was also a super controversial personality. Like, he was very grating to some people. And um, there were even, you know, it's... In my research, it sounded a lot like uh, a high school situation, but there were clubs that were made basically to, like, rag on this guy and treat him like shit. Why? <laughs> Why? This is, like, this is like the French social scene, right? It's yeah, like true. they would just make, like, salons oh and just God. be like, oh, have you heard of Adolphe Sex? I don't know what that accent was. Please don't at me. <laughs> I don't. Anyways. I don't know what that accent was either, but can you imagine founding a whole club because, because you're you like, hey, you want to roast okay, someone? You roast yeah. As a person so anyways, who studied art history, you have yeah, no yeah. idea how ridiculous the French salons were. Like, No, oh no like, sure I, I understand. On them. Like, I get it, but also, every time I hear about them, I'm still like... Blown away by but how can you imagine? I'm blown away i'm so blown away it's like hey i just like want to roast someone really hard they tried yeah. on a thing that they were passionate about but like that's hilarious roast <laughs> sign me up for this roast but his friend sign uh, me up his friend hector who stayed friends with him for his life eventually said such is the hatred that inventors always waken amongst those of their rivals that do not invent anything. Hmm. Which is like, damn, that's a deep cut. Yeah. Unfortunately for Adolphe Sachs, he died in the year of our Lord, 1894, without a penny to his name. Wow. And as I said earlier, his instrument, he did not get to hear played in any of the orchestras where he wished it would be. And now he just gets to listen to us make jazz music. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a lot to be said by a lot of artists. Like, on a more pop culture and a more modern front of it, that's like Bill Finger. Bill Finger was one of the original creators of Batman, and not until four years ago was his name on any of the property. Yeah, well, I mean, that's also, I mean, pretty much the same as, like, the story of Van Gogh, right? Like, he made these beautiful works of art. He was widely misunderstood as a human being, and then after he died, people started to appreciate the art. I think that's, you know, I think much like with Van Gogh, Sachs kind of was an unlikable person in life. And I yeah. believe Van Gogh yeah, was I mean, mostly maybe. like mental issues, but Sachs was just like a not a great person. He had a lot of controversial opinions and, you know, was just very brusque and abrupt with people, I think. so. I was going to say, I think when you almost yeah. die several times as a small child and then later on <laughs> as an <laughs> adult, you kind of get a little You're like, blunt. I don't have time for this. I could die at any moment. Yeah, you become be kind of like surly yeah, a little bit. But also, died seven times. I think like that is one of the scariest things as an artist, right? Like, where people who want to be creative in general you see some of the people who are like the greatest artists at least in the canon and you're like man they didn't get recognized until after they died and you're kind of like so what am i gonna do struggle for my whole life <laughs> and, and then like die. Well, I mean, and then die and then I'll be, maybe I'll be like honest with you i don't think yeah, you'll ahead. struggle selling feet pics on the <laughs> <laughs> And truly, that can be described as one of the greatest arts of our time. <laughs> that, honestly, I saw a meme the other day, not to get too off track, but it was just like, you wake up, you're a lizard. The concept of selling feet pics to pay off student loans is slowly losing meaning to yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> you lick your eyeball, you eat a bug. You warm Life is good. Sun, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was um, really good. That's pretty much the end of my story. You know, as I said, he he winds up bankrupt three times. He ends up 
penniless at the end of his life, and years later, we come to admire this instrument that he gave us. Yeah, that was really good. I like how you buried the lead. I like that, Honestly, I was trying to figure it out the whole time. Yeah. I feel like if I had started this with, like, hey, here's a story about the guy that invented the saxophone, you would have been like, there's no way all this happened to one person. And I feel like... <laughs> if you just said Adolfo Sax, we would have been like, did he do the... the yeah. Did he do the thing? Did he, did he make the that French thing? horn? <laughs> Shut up. Did he make the French horn? <laughs> and you would have been like, his name is Sax. Come on, guys. I literally, I love my wife to death. She mm-hmm. is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Aww. She plays the saxophone as well as many other instruments, and she does so beautifully. I said uh, this evening when I was writing my notes for this recording, I said to her, Honey, guess guess what I'm doing a story on? And she's like, I can't. And I was like, well, this person almost died seven times, and he's the inventor of a great a great instrument. And she says, oh? And I said, yeah. His name is Adolphe Sachs. And she said, uh... Did he I was just like, the okay, French horn? come on, honey. Put the puzzle pieces together. No, it. you know what? I've, I've played D&D with Allie, and I think we can all attest to, like, this whole D&D group minus Zach uh, is bad at puzzles, so... I'm just, I, I do puzzle it's, things. It's a curse. It's a curse, That's and we fair. leave it to Puzzle Man. The Puzzle Man. The Puzzle Man. But I've taken up a half hour of time, and I think we should probably move on. Yeah, I think what I have to say to wrap that up is, A, does Allie want to start a jazz rock band? And B, <laughs> I'm going to talk about a guy who lived and died also. I mean, most oh, okay. of our topics here <laughs> vis-a-vis history are people who have lived and died. died. Yes. But I'm actually going to talk about one of my favorite people in history. Uh, Henry VIII. No. I swear to God, if I hear one more thing about Henry VIII, I'm going to lose my I mind. only think that Zach <laughs> enjoys the prospect of betting women and beheading them when he's done with them. No, but this one is about uh, uh, a man who betted a lot of people. And his name is... Oscar Fingal O'Flaherty Willis Wilde. Yes, that is his full name. Wow. His name <laughs> He's his so middle good. name is Flingle? His middle name is Oscar <laughs> Fingal O'Flaherty oh, Fingal. Willis Wilde. Yeah, well And I was just like that's a pretty whimsical fucking middle name. I mean Fingal and Flingle, so it's one good. fucking letter difference, man. It's so foppish. Um, <laughs> I mean, wasn't he fairly foppish to begin with? Yes. I know. It's so good. Both of them could work. Yes. Uh, This ultimate believer in art for art's sake lived an interesting life, to say the least. Um, So it's kind of hard to pinpoint one specific story that I like the most as far as Oscar Wilde goes. So I'm going to kind of just give some of my favorite tidbits about Exactly. joy yes do you have anything to declare only my brilliance oscar <laughs> wilde quote come on yes. Zach. come on <laughs> i'm gonna I get into a couple of those. that do you want to let's you know what we're gonna do that take again <laughs> okay <laughs> hey zach yes do you have anything to declare only my brilliance Oh, uh-huh, what a good boy. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to keep it both. Tapes, All right, tell me more about tell me more about Oscar Wilde. Okay, so Oscar Wilde yeah. was born in Dublin and where he was born is actually now part of Trinity College where he attended school. Wow. Which Wait, is what do you cool. what do you mean? It's Trinity like the house that he was born in like is now part of the grounds yes. so or? the street the house that he was born in i believe was demolished and they rebuilt on top of it but like his old street address this location that he was born is now part of trinity college and they actually teach irish literature there oh, which is nice. really cool i hope they just they teach about him in a classroom that where his house previously that's was. Pre- yeah, that's like pretty much what I they think do. That's it's exactly awesome. what Zach's saying, Megan. <laughs> Please open your ears and your mind to the truth. My, I can't. So, <laughs> Oscar Wilde's parents were also very famous in their own right. Uh, his father was a famous surgeon, and his mother, well, his mother, was also an Irish poet who wrote under the pseudonym speranza and was a large supporter of the irish uprising in 1848 she advocated for women's suffrage and women's education but most notably did a large editorial in the nation that called for the armed revolt of ireland against british colonial rule we're off to a great start here people 
the authorities in, already right the authorities in dublin castle ended up shutting down the paper and brought uh charles duffy who was the editor to court and he refused to name the person who had written written the article apparently it was reported that speranza or you know oscar wilde's mother stood up in court and claimed responsibility they didn't arrest her or anything they didn't believe her and they immediately shut down the newspaper so god she's a hero dude she's like yeah i did it what of it and they're like we don't believe you and that's where sexism really you know flips the script (laughs) i was about to say that's like i guess irish blaspheme this yeah that's true and so you know it's we're gonna keep fast forwarding a little bit but i wanted to give a little bit of background on maybe why oscar was as wild as he was (laughs) Oh my god, that's a good name. So Oscar Wilde is famous for a lot of different sayings and witty remarks, but he is most famous for, of course, his book, The Portrait of Dorian Gray. However, did you both know, that's the only full book he ever wrote. Yeah. Yep, he wrote a lot of poems, he wrote short stories, he actually wrote some children's books. But he only ever wrote one full book. Well, he also did, um, he did plays as well, right? Yes. A lot of plays, the, poems, yeah. but only ever one book. Yeah, I think I always forget he, he only wrote one book because I, I've read his plays and, like, they're they're not long, but, like, they could be considered book length. Yeah, yes. So, I, they are, and some of them are some of my favorites, but he, despite, you know, everyone loving and knowing the portrait, it's a picture of Dorian Gray, now, uh, when it came out, everyone hated it. yeah. Par for the course, honestly. Yeah, well, the big thing was, like, it was got a huge amount of from, like, Victorian high society when it was released because it was accused of promoting hedonism, presenting a disgusting portrayal of high society, and slipping homoerotic themes throughout the book. Who would have guessed? Who would have guessed that (laughs) Sir Oscar... Flynn Flanagan <laughs> O'Flaherty Wild. Put in a bunch of homoerotic themes. Flynn yeah. Flanagan. Huh? Flynn Flanagan. And speaking of credit where credit isn't actually due, Wilde never actually was quoted, never actually said, be yourself, everyone else is taken. That was never an Oscar Wilde quote. It was just attributed to him because he said so many other great things. I've never even heard that No, quote, I've, so I've I... heard it, but um, I... I like how someone else must have said it, and he was, they were like, did Oscar say Probably. that? Probably. <laughs> and he was like, I don't know. I say a lot of shit. I have a feeling that he was, like, at a party, and someone said, and then Oscar said. Sure. And he was just, like, too drunk or too tired to be like, nah, yeah, not it wasn't, wasn't me. I will say the be yourself everyone else is taken is the most, like, basic white bitch quote that is ever used now. And I, I'm kind of glad yeah. that Oscar never actually said it. It makes me happy. Oh, yeah. Let me, uh, let me give this a try. Hang on. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Be yourself. Everyone else? Yes, exactly. Oh, God, that's so gross. (laughs) Anyway, but Wilde was known for very much besides his writing for his various affairs, despite being married with children. Chiefly among them was uh, Robbie Ross, who was a Canadian man that was in England, and Alfred Douglas. Also, Florence Mm -hmm. Flory Balcombe. Who would later become... What is it with these people? Well, Flory was her nickname. That's uh, Flory uh, has another connection in the literary world. Do you want to take a guess? No, I'm, I'm caught up on her. 
who was a Flurry. character in Harry Potter. <laughs> what? Fuck! <laughs> um, Flory uh, later became Bram Stoker's wife. So, uh, Flory yeah. Stoker? Yeah. Well, she kept her last name, I think. Flory. So, Bram and Oscar uh, were actually friends throughout college, and uh, Flory was Oscar's girlfriend at first. And Stoker kind of swooped in and ends up stealing her away and getting married to her. Uh, but swooped in like Dracula, stole. Apparently, him. Flory never got over it, but Oscar decided to fuck everyone else instead. <laughs> so in night, did he? Did he get over? I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. Sounds like a lot of I heartbreak. Don't know. The best way to get over someone is to get under. I think someone he agrees. Else. So 1891, yeah. he meets Alfred Douglas and. Douglas is the son of John Douglas, who is the ninth Marquis of Queensbury, the man behind the Queensbury uh, Rules yes. of Boxing. And this is where things get yep. wild. And I actually mean that in not the pun way. It just, things, things get interesting here. Oh my gosh, that's his last name. Both Alfred and his father are assholes. Uh, Alfred, because he just is a very abusive partner to Oscar and... Well, his dad, because his dad's super homophobic. Yeah. In many of the moments where mm. uh, Alfred kind of fucks over Wilde, Alfred comes down with influenza and gets really sick, and Wilde looked after him and, like, took care of him and made sure that he was okay. And Douglas returned the favor when Wilde fell sick, because he was taking care of him, by going and partying at the Grand Hotel and sending Oscar Wilde a bill for his birthday. He was a dick. Wow. What a scum lord. What a scum lord. So the Marquis of Queensbury uh, kind of feuded constantly with both Wilde and his son Alfred. At one point in 19... Uh, no, I'm sorry, not 19. Ugh, 1894, uh, Queensbury confronts Wilde declaring, I do not say that you are it, but you look it and pose it, which is just as bad. And if I catch you and my son again in any public restaurant, I will thrash you. Oscar apparently replies, I don't know what the Queensbury rules are, but the Oscar Wilde rule is to shoot on sight. <laughs> oh my god. What a what champ. What a fucking badass. I, I love his retorts. Right? Like, the stories that he just, like, gets to let loose on someone. Ugh. I think the fact of the matter is that Oscar... Oscar, Oscar, Oscar Flynn Flanagan, oh flattery... <laughs> yeah, Oscar Flynn Flanagan flo, 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 is just the king of one-liners. He is the king of the mic drop moments even up until his death. The importance of being earnest is released on February 14th, 1895. It was, you know, everyone loved it. Everyone thought it was great at the time, and now it's one of my favorite plays. Yeah. But it also was almost a huge disaster because, once again, the dubious Marquis of Queensbury comes in, and he prepared to attend the play and publicly accuse Wilde of sodomy and throw rotten vegetables at him. Uh, however, someone tipped Wilde off and he never got a ticket to the fucking show. So, yay, yay, yay. Wow. But, you know, the incidents between Marquis of Queensbury and the fact that, you know, Oscar was fucking his son, that ends up, you know, getting to the point where the Marquis of Queensbury does accuse Wilde of sodomy, and Wilde is then forced to sue for libel, even though it's not really libel, um, which leads to him being imprisoned and doing two years of manual labor. Everyone kind of knows that bit of the story, but I feel like it has to be mentioned. Yeah. I feel like it's important to note that I know literally nothing about Oscar Wilde. See, you're, we're learning we're tonight. We're learning tonight. Basically... Oscar Wilde's like, fuck you, and fuck your son, literally on the second one. <laughs> <And> the... <laughs> but also, you too, if you want it. So, so it's not so much fuck you and fuck your son, it's fuck, it, your fuck son. you, I yes, am exactly. fucking Fuck you, yeah. fucking your son. And then, you know, eventually, the as I said, the Marquis of Queensbury, super homophobic dude, is like, well, then I'm going to accuse you of sodomy, which apparently is a crime. And Wilde's like, well, I have to, you know, <laughs> to save face, sue you for libel, even though it's not libelous, he ends up losing in court because, well, duh, there's much evidence that he's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, duh, and then he that's, what, that's what the other lawyer said. He was like, just I want to draw the court's attention to this, and he just points to Oscar, and yeah. like the jury's like, yeah, you're right. Well, the thing is, like, <laughs> like... 
Oscar Wilde didn't give a fuck, so he wasn't exactly, you know... Yeah, he wasn't, like, really hiding it. He wasn't really hiding it, exactly. He literally came to court dressed like Elton John usually does. (laughs) Uh, But, so, you know, eventually he gets arrested, he does manual labor, all that other stuff ends up going by, he, you know, continues to write, he even writes while he's in prison, but eventually we get to the part in his life where he dies, and Wilde died pretty young, uh, and he died of spinal meningitis, which sucks, Oh, God. Like, yeah. oh. I believe he was 46 when he died. Really? He was only Damn, 46? Yeah. But apparently on one of his final moments with a friend, he was wa- like on a walk with his friend when he was able to get out of the house. And his last words allegedly were, my wallpaper and I are fighting a duel to the death. One of us has to go. Oh. And what a way to go out. God. That is that is some fucking oh, sass. He's such a hero. Such a hero. I like the statue of him. I believe it's in Dublin, uh-huh. where uh, he's he's dressed in like a green oh, yeah. suit and he's like lounging, lounging on a rock. On it's, a beautiful. rock. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's aestheticism in its best, which he was a huge fan of. I know. It's. Well, it looks like the statue's about to come to life and roast you for what you're wearing, which is exactly what I look for in my Oh, you're sculptures. wearing that, darling. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he's about to get down. He's just like, we, we really have, we have to fix this, and he just gestures all to of all you. of you. Yes, uh, but Oscar <laughs> Wilde, even after his death uh, in 1900, continues to be amazing by the fact of the reverberation around who he was, uh, the ripple effect, I guess. So when he dies, Alfred Douglas, his abusive partner, ends up being one of the Mm -hmm. chief mourners there. Although, guess who else shows up? Does his dad show up? Get out of here. Robbie Ross, one of Oscar Wilde's other lovers. His other lover, who was much more tender, apparently. And apparently, Robbie Ross was like, you're a dick, and he punches Alfred Douglas and, like, beats the crap out of him. And they have a huge fight at Oscar Wilde's funeral, which is beautiful. This is amazing. That's how I want my funeral to go. I promise, Megan, that if I outlive you, which it's not looking likely... But if I do, I will start a fist fight. At- oh, it won't good. be done maliciously, just like with anyone. but Matt, I'll fight you just to have a fist fight at Megan's funeral. <laughs> You're goddamn right. I'll draw up the contracts. Draw up the contracts, please. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. This assumes that either of us outlive Megan. Yeah, I don't know Megan, if that's going to happen. And I don't think it's going to happen. You can't. You just can't. Who can I say? mean, we're all convinced that Megan's a face spirit anyway, but whatever. <laughs> I digress. So, I mean, this even goes past when the fact that, like, at Oscar Wilde's grave, they ended up having to put plastic, like a plastic barrier around the actual gravestone because people would go up and kiss the grave with lipstick to the point where it was, like, eating away the stone. <laughs> That's what he... Like all those statues yeah. that have breasts and they're worn away yeah. from where yeah. people... but it said it was just, like, lipstick Honestly, stains seeped into the stone. That's what he would have wanted. God. Just like he probably would have wanted his ex-lovers to fight oh, over his yeah, grave. Yeah, the government, the Irish government <laughs> is ruining his afterlife. I hope that I also get the accolades that people come and kiss my grave until it's worn into nothing and that my lovers fight on my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> I ask for so little. I ask little. for so little. Yeah. I don't want much in life. I want a lot in death. That's not a lot. <laughs> I want a lot in death. That's just, it's not a lot. <laughs> but that's, that's Oscar Wilde in a nutshell for, from me. Uh, there's a, a lot more that happened in his life, but I think that those were some of the big fun things that I, well, the big those points. The big I mean, points, I say fun, huh? but I, it's not exactly fun when you go to jail for sodomy, but it is fun when you tell the Marquis of Queensbury, basically like, you better shoot me. Cause if you don't, I'm still going to be fucking around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm still going to be fucking your son you know what i'm saying like <laughs> either you put he gives shock either hands. you put me six feet under or he's gonna be under me yeah oh god i would yeah i would have respected him even more if he had said that <laughs> but i said it so i'll take the kudos yeah i'll i'll give you the kudos because that was really but, good yeah that's that's what Honestly. i got no, that was good i was hoping that you would you would do oscar wilde he's like one of my favorite authors i mean Sometimes I wish I could go back and do them, but... <laughs> oh my god, who doesn't? <laughs> uh, I will say that, given the fact that I know nothing about him, probably me. But, like, I get uh, you, Megan. I get you. I mean, 
This guy sounds like yeah. he was yeah. worth well, knowing. Yeah, like, if anything, you know, he's one of those people where it would have been nice to just, like, try to be friends with him, you know? Yeah. Like, if you could somehow... Yeah, and then you end up getting absolutely obliterated okay. by one of his yeah, mic dude, drop he moments. Yeah, absolutely obliterate me because I would show up looking like a slob and he'd be, <laughs> he'd be like, you can't... He'd be like, we need to address this. And you'd be like, what? And he would just Yeah, and I'd be you. like, Oscar, I know this is what you're known for, but, like, please. Like, at that point, you just melt into the scenery and you're never <laughs> yeah, seen again. Yeah, because, like, my soul has been utterly <laughs> Just obliterated. ripped from your body with words. Yeah, I don't take yeah. criticism well. Um, <laughs> don't ever meet... Don't go back in time to meet Oscar Wilde. Just don't. yeah. It's just like, do you take criticism? And it's like, not without crying. <laughs> <laughs> do you take criticism? And then you just hear Megan whisper, please no, please no. I can't take it. Like, it goes directly into my heart, Oscar Flynn Flanagan. <laughs> but, um, Zach, to follow up on your story, actually, I want to talk to someone who is uh, vaguely associated with Oscar Wilde. I mean, vaguely or not, um, if you're ever associated with him, you fucking say it. Well, well, I this this man boy, oh. uh, like if we're speaking of gay icons, right? You know, I want to talk about someone who's uh, actually referenced by Oscar Wilde in some of his Ooh. works. So if you're a fan of Wilde, you'll sort of be familiar with his works like The Young King or The Sphinx and like Zach mentioned the the picture of Dorian Gray but in uh, the picture of Dorian Gray there's this artist, his name is, I think his name is Basil, Basil uh. Hallward, yeah I always want to say Basil and I know that's <laughs> not right, like he's not the artist <laughs> but yeah so Basil Hallward, he, he actually describes meeting Dorian as important to his art um, as the face of Antinous uh, was to late Greek sculpture. So, like, meeting Dorian Gray to this artist was, like, um, Antinous was this important to, wow. like, influencing classical Greek sculpture. So it's really important. Um, so now I want to talk about... Um, Antinous, who has been described as arguably the most notorious pretty boy from the uh, annals of classical history, Ooh, yeah. which I saw that quote and I was like, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so we actually don't know a lot about this man boy, but um, what we do know is that he was just some kid from what is now Turkey. And you're probably wondering, like, why do we even know about some teenager, like, that wasn't even part of a royal family? He was just some commoner. And the reason we know about him is because this virtual nobody became the lover of the Emperor Hadrian. Oh. And I'm not... Yeah. Oh. And I'm not just talking about, like, a casual lover. Like... Hadrian loved Antinous to the point where he made him a god, literally. Lovers in the nighttime, lovers after death. Uh, and we're going to start at the beginning of Antinous's life. And lovers this will not take long because, again, we don't really know a whole lot All right. about him. So uh, we think that he was born around uh, 110 or 112 AD. So Antinous is a teenager in... Um, 123 uh, and at that day he uh got sent to the imperial school which was in italy and it was here that hadrian and his wife who up until this point had been touring the empire they returned to italy and settled down for a few years and over these years this is when um antonis became hadrian's personal favorite and by the time hadrian left to tour greece three years later he took antonis with him because like they had a good relationship i guess hadrian's marriage also was pretty unhappy considering he had never shown interest in women but at this point in the second century bisexuality and homosexuality in the upper echelons of roman society weren't really frowned upon they were kind of socially acceptable dope and they still <laughs> should have honestly been. though i don't really get how we got to this point in our history and like 
Love who you love, damn Who's it. the Christians, man? They ruin a lot of stuff. Sorry, Christians, <laughs> but... <laughs> Hashtag sorry, not Hashtag sorry. You sorry, ruined not a lot of stuff. Sorry, you mostly ruined I was going to say, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep blaming it on the Puritans, but that's just me. Yeah, dude. Let's just blame it on the Puritans. Good job, guys. You did it. You ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, I Thanks, hate it. I hate it. Anyway, that being said, Hadrian was 48 at the time, and Antonus was 13, so, you know, they had a lot in common. What? The, okay, so now here's yeah, the go thing. On. We were on a good roll here. We were on a real good yeah, like kick. He had found his we were soulmate. on a good kick where we were like, hey, here's the thing. Hadrian, he might be gay, and that's totally might fine. Is... And then you said, Antonus is 13. Yeah. And now we've entered a realm where I'm not comfortable saying that I support his gayness because it had something to do with a little boy. Yeah. This is ancient Rome. Megan, you've made this episode problematic. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I'm telling you the facts, okay? Like, they had a lot in common, like hunting and erotic poetry, and they traveled extensively together. And also, Hadrian... Yep, and rescued and the, Antonis. And the problem is, yeah, go on. The the problem still is. No, I get it. That he was a thirteen year old boy. I'm not good at math, but I know there's a lot of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Hadrian was probably one of those ages, just yeah. a number type. Yeah. <laughs> It's like when I watch those TikToks about like age is just a number, and it's like I'm eighteen. And it's like, my boyfriend is 78, and you're like, I mean, so it's here's legal. the thing. I mean, I guess, I guess, I, mm, mm. I guess in those times, their concept of an age of consent was yes. way different. The, the lens of, like, ro- historical Romans, yeah. I'm assuming this was not out of the norm. Does that make it right? No. It wasn't. But like I, with the Greeks and the Romans, right. it wasn't out of the norm. There was a whole system sort of set up where you would have, you know, sexual mentors between like an older man and a younger boy. But like I understand in a in a contemporary context mm. it does not It does not translate. It it does that not whole translate. Sentence was yucky and I hate it. That whole sentence. However, was yucky I think we need to just press yeah. on at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Let's soldier but, on. Charge yeah, ahead. so we'll charge ahead to, to, like, they did travel extensively together. Hadrian had to tour his empire, and one of the stories from when they were touring the empire was uh, Hadrian rescued Antonus from a lion in Libya, and I guess he was like, wow, that was, like, really heroic and, like, very brave of me, and you looked very good while I did that. So he had bronze medallion cast about the event, and he had historians write fan fiction about it to, like, publicize it, which I thought was pretty funny. He was just like, damn, dude, our love story is amazing. I love how this guy's just like... I think our romance is great, so I'm gonna fucking throw money at it until anyone else thinks it's great. Dude, like, that's what he did, though, and all of this was happening as his wife was, like, third <laughs> Like, she was there the whole time. But anyway, what makes Antonis's story memorable is the fact that it becomes a true crime in the year 130. So Hadrian's entourage at this point is sailing on the Nile. They had been touring Egypt. And during the festival of Osiris, Antonus supposedly fell into the river and died. But gossip soon spread that he had been intentionally killed. And to this day, people still don't know how he actually died. And they haven't found his There's been a murder! There's been a murder on the Nile! (laughs) A body yeah. has not been I discovered. I mean, Hadrian was pretty sad. But... Uh, he was actually devastated <laughs> by this death. And and to be fair, Antonus is not a child at this point. He he is an older person. Like, he's a, he's in his late teens, early 20s. Yeah. If that makes you feel better. <laughs> um, I mean, not really, but... Uh... uh... You know doesn't, what? Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't okay. really. Uh, but, so... This is the story of a boy who was taken from his home at oh, to be oh, a no. for a 40-year-old. And then he's... And then he's killed at the age of 20, Intentionally, maybe. Maybe he perhaps. couldn't swim. We don't really know. It's true crime. Uh, 
Antonus. True crime, so, Antonus. Hadrian was devastated by his death, so he immediately deified him. <laughs> he was like, okay. my, my one true god, honestly. <laughs> like... <laughs> If I'm only, I am polytheistic every other day, but when you died, I became monotheistic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But defying people. I just, yeah. I feel uncomfortable because it's, it's a, a young man it's a now. young boy. Well, yeah, at 20 man. when he dies. Yeah. It's, it's creepy. It's gross. He's, well, actually... Actually, now he's a oh, young yeah, god. Oh yeah, it for sure is. Where we okay. are in the story. So from a boy a to a man god. to a god. To a god. Right. That's what I'm saying. What a glow up. Nothing. What's a god to a king? Oh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Let's just cut out that awkward silence. So it wasn't uncommon to be to to deify people, but it was uncommon to be deified if you were a commoner like being becoming a god was something that was sort of reserved for the imperial family which antonis was not and also hadrian did this without the permission of the senate so he essentially signed like the emperor version of an executive (laughs) fuck yeah he was like (laughs) he literally wrote a letter that said my boyfriend was something special and now everyone's gonna know about it i think everyone's gonna and honestly they they did Okay, because he he did not stop at godhood. All okay, right? he built a city for this for this man boy. <laughs> I okay, but I think I think godhood is the top of no. the top. He made him a god. He built him a city. He called that city an Antinop. You know, I don't really know. Antinopolis. 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 Yeah, Antinopolis. He built him Antinopolis. He bought him a star. What? Which, <laughs> yeah, he like, he pointed to a star and he was like, that's my baby boy's star. Oh. Named after him now. Oh. <laughs> uh, he gave him a whole festival where they, they did games for him. Um,. It, his beauty also helped create like his god cult because he was like a lot of the beautiful immortal like male gods like Apollo and Dionysus and Ganymede, um, which invited yeah yeah dude Dionysus he was, the was hot beautiful god of partying you know oh what? did you think every, did you think well, he was ugly I thought every like artist artist depiction of him is like fat and happy hey like, fat can know? be beautiful I, yeah dude don't. Damn straight, I am every day. Yeah, dude. Like, but the reason why this helped his cult grow is because uh, it quote invited imaginary erotic bonding between him and his worshippers. Ghost sex party. I need to state for I just need to state for the record that this story has made me wildly (laughs) uncomfortable. Listen, we're not done yet because then Hadrian built at least twenty eight temples. Dedicated to his boyfriend throughout the empire. Uh, hey guys, I think I'm just gonna walk out. I'm we're not. Gonna, you guys can finish. But we're up not here. done because then, like within the span of maybe like eight years, he commissioned two thousand sculptures made of oh. him. Um, and then he issued uh, his own coinage that had his boyfriend's face on it, which I thought was nice. <gasps> um, <laughs> I love the reservation with which you said that sentence. I just like, damn man. I thought it was. I thought it was. I don't know. Like I get like, my time was money and you made me money. Thank you. Oh my god! You just made it worse. You see how that's worse, right? Anyway, the the (laughs) the cult was condemned. If you're happy about that. Uh, it was condemned in the 4th century. Uh, as I again just want to state for the record that there's a lot I'm unhappy about with this story, but this cult being condemned is the only redeeming quality we have. I don't so know, far. man, because the Christians really put a damper on things. Like, they played games. Yeah! <laughs> they played games during his festival. Like, whatever. But And then they, they also destroyed a lot of his statues. But, you know, like... 
I think the interesting thing about this whole story, like, I know that it does not translate well into a contemporary context, but it's like, despite time and, like, the destruction of paganism by zealots and the misidentification of his statues, because a lot of people thought that um, his statues were actually of Apollo or Ganymede, Hadrian loved this kid so much that we still know about him today and we can still recognize his exact stance in statues two thousand years later. That's fucking wild. Like it is wild. We wouldn't have known about this kid for any other reason. And now we recognize him as like a heroic deity. All because he drowned in a river. All because he drowned in a river, maybe. Or was pushed. Or he was we don't know. However, I, I, we don't I think know. this goes back to your, you know, your intro here, Megan. Why weren't we told in school that Thirst Trap was a career choice? <laughs> like, Dude, that's what I'm saying. Why weren't we told being a Thirst Trap was a career choice? You're saying... <laughs> you're telling me I could be deified? Fuck. You're telling me I could work hard and be forgotten? Or... Or... <laughs> or... be a Thirst Trap? I can just... Be a thirst trap and had 20,000 statues made of me. <laughs> like, so many statues, dude. So many statues that survived the test of Fucking time. ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, so I thought it was like, you, you told us that you were doing Oscar Wilde tonight, Zach, and I was like, you know, this is a very interesting character that has... Some like, ties, loosely. Some ties. Yeah, loosely, but, like, Wilde did refer to him... Mm-hmm. In more than one yes. work. Yeah, he did. Like, and I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and I think that especially the parallels are drawn in the picture of Dorian Gray with Basil and Dorian, where Basil is like, that's my dude. <laughs> yeah, like, he he met, meets him, and that's sort of like Hadrian meeting Antinous, where it's like, Oh, yeah, <laughs> this is probably the person that like I'm going to pine over. Fuck they gorgeous. For yeah. like, the rest of my life, yeah. you know, which is pretty, pretty interesting. Mm. But also they're both gay icons at yeah. this point. Good for them. Yeah. Oh, my gay God. And I do mean that gay God. Oh, my God. Oh, my gay God. That is now a new <laughs> But. OMG. <laughs> that's a that's a story. That's a fucking story. Yeah, so I I know that like there were some uncomfortable parts, but you know. <laughs> the whole Listen, thing became uncomfortable. That's history, yeah. okay? Like if we wanted to make people yeah, comfortable I mean, about it, we is... would have the great man of history and we wouldn't be doing this, all right? Now now is a, a perfect time to remind the audience that yes, history is uncomfortable, but that does not stop us from our unquenchable need to bring it to your ear holes. So if you did uh, feel uncomfy with Megan's story in particular, because we wouldn't, <laughs> we're sorry, but it's that's up. history. Sorry, not... Brought to you by the Listen, Ford Tacoma. Sorry, Time travel, bitches. Sorry, all right. I brought you quality information. Thank you I think much. all of these were quality information tonight. Quality information, okay? Superhe information. Exactly. Okay. But um the only other thing that I that I wanted to do was uh I Please I do the over. uh today in history, right? Mm-hmm. And there were actually oh, yeah. a few of them <laughs> yes. that we were debating about uh before we, we started the episode and I figured it was worth it to sort of go back and and read you the ones that didn't make the, the front end cut. The honorable the, the mentions. Honorable yeah, mentions. these were the honorable mentions. So the I also have an honorable okay. mention after Megan's okay, done. Okay, cool, great. So the first one is today in history in 1819, Spain signs a treaty with the United States ceding eastern Florida, I guess to us, which I think they got more out of the treaty than we did. Can we... Yeah, except we get a ton of fucking awesome Florida man stories. We get the Florida man stories. I don't stories. know, man. Sometimes it's not it's worth not, it. You're right. Cause... It's not worth it, man. But 
there was that one time when a Florida man won the uh, won yeah, the election. I was gonna say, speaking go of the Florida man, I think I'll have to do an episode on the sunshine laws. No, I think that's a yeah, that's a good idea. We can talk about that another time. Uh, and then the second one, uh, our second honorable mention is uh, Jefferson Davis in 1862 is inaugurated president of the Confederacy in Richmond, Virginia, for the second time. And I've heard tales that Southerners still think that he is president to this day. So what, what was your... Is that it or No, those more? are the two honorable mentions, but they they were, like, too good not to... To not to say something. Not to sort of bring up, yeah. yeah. So did you did you have a uh, last thing to do, Matt? My, my thing is, um, it's a current event for us right now, but those of us that are listening to the podcast in the future... We'll see it as a today in history. Uh, I found out this morning that Daft Punk broke oh, up. Today, today in history. Today in history, Daft Punk ended their run as a band. They started in 1993, huh. and they ended today. You know, that's a good run. In 2021. It was a good run. It was a good run, yeah. It's a good, good time. It's, like, it's a good long time. Uh, but there... Oh, wait. There, uh, there is... Um, there is one more thing that I needed to bring up. If you guys don't have anything else no, to say. No, I'm good. Yeah. Um, the other honorable mention is... What the fuck, history? you hear from the triumvirate productions and what the fuck history we encourage you to tell a friend we don't pay for any ads so the best way to get us out there is to talk to other people about us you can find us on facebook at the triumvirate productions on twitter at triumvirate underscore pod and on instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.